Capon from Manufacturing Leaders here. I'm here with Melissa Revelinsky from Intercept Pharmaceuticals. Melissa, great to have you with us. Thank you. Perfect. Happy to be here. <laughs> Brilliant. And um, yeah, just to start with, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey to, to becoming an executive in R&D over at Intercept? Sure. Um, I have been uh, in the industry uh, over 20 years. Uh, I received my PhD in organic chemistry at Rice University and since then have worked at um, a variety of, of large and small pharma. I started at Upjohn Pharmaceuticals, um, moved uh, to San Diego to be a part of Agron Pharmaceuticals where that actually went through multiple acquisitions to become Pfizer. Um, was with that organization overall about eight years. Uh, then moved into a small biotech called Amira uh, Pharmaceuticals, which actually in that role was my first role as more of a broad development responsibility. Prior to that, all of my roles at that point had been anywhere in medicinal chemistry to process chemistry. Um, and at Amira, I brought it into sort of a more development uh, role and responsibility and then moved over to Intercept about little more than nine years ago and have been here in a variety of roles starting with sort of program management and CMC supply chain and now I've actually just in the last year have taken over a broader responsibility for all of R&D operations. Perfect. So a pretty extensive background in, in both you know, the bigger organizations, um, but also the, the startups as well. I mean, what were some of the, the main differences and, and also challenges that, that came with that? Well, I would say that actually there's there are quite a bit of differences. I think I've really enjoyed working in both. I, my preference now, of course, having that broader experience is, is that I do prefer the smaller startup, biotech, small pharma um, experience because the wonderful thing about big pharma, I do believe, is, is they train their workforce as well. They allow people to really learn and grow in that area of capability. Um, and they also train their, their workforces very well. I think the benefit for me going after that experience into sort of the small pharma or biotech is that then you can use sort of that skills and capabilities and you can actually touch a larger, I guess, um, areas of interest and, and have a greater impact across a, a company and the decisions that company makes, um, which really I find very exciting. Excellent. And and, and in the, the current role at Intercept, what really occupies your mind on, on, on the day-to-day -day basis? Well, Intercept is going through a lot of change. We, we've grown a lot um, over the last few years and really what op occupies my mind on a day-to-day -day basis is trying to figure out how to grow and create an organization that is flexible, scalable, adaptable, and has the right skills and capabilities for where we need to go in the future. Um, due, you know, due to a variety of changes, that, that actually, as, as new people come in every day, you know, we have different challenges that arise. So really trying to make sure that, that we're making the best decisions as timely as we can and move forward as quickly as we can in a competitive environment is really, is really what I think about a lot. Okay, great. And um, with the, you mentioned that in the, the smaller environment, uh, you, you can have a lot more of an impact. Um, um, so, Melissa, can you tell me about a time that you, you affected organizational change and the, the challenges that, that, that come with that? Yes, absolutely. I think I just mentioned that we've been going through a lot of change here at Intercept. Um, about three and a half years ago, 
we received some really important clinical trial data that we had collaborated with the, with the NIH on. And based on that, we recognized that our therapy, um, which now is branded as Ocalava, could be a very important treatment for non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So over the last three and a half years, we have been growing and working to effectively not only launch our drug uh, in PBC or primary biliary cholangitis, which was a massive undertaking for a small pharma to go commercial, and then to also continue our development in non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So for the last three and a half years, we have been going through a massive change. We've gone, um, we had, you know, in early 2014, about 40 people total in the whole company. Um, today, we have about 500, and we're global. We're in three sites, San Diego, New York, and London. So we have cultural differences. We have differences due to site. We have had challenges about going from a small pharma to a commercialized company, um, going from an orphan disease like primary biliary cholangitis to a potentially large population disease like NASH. Um, and then all of the changes just with the sheer size and infrastructural change. Um, and it's been, you know, I mean, any change is challenging, but we've, we've effectively had to maneuver multiple changes, small to large, you know, ge geographical changes, uh, indication differences, um, and, and basically, you know, just, just dealing with all of the processes that we need to develop over that time. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a huge time of change these last three, four years here at Intercept. For sure, and, and from a, uh, particularly from a manufacturing perspective, um, when you're growing as an organization, what are some of the key metrics that you, you keep track of? Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the key metrics I think for a small organization are really probably not gonna be very different from a large organization. Um, we have the, the basic metrics around sort of campaign cycle time, sort of manufacturing metrics like, like uh, cycle time, uh, our total inventory, what kind of inventory we have and what we need. Um, I think also obviously yields and our basically cost of goods, which, which all of that rolls up into. And then we have sort of the demand metrics, uh, you know, our development program uh, demand as well as our commercial forecast and consistently keeping a bead on that is important. And then also, obviously, our quality metrics, um, which would be related to sort of deviations, kappas, change controls, how, you know, how quickly we can move through any of the quality items that arise. So I really don't think from a small organization we're really very different. The only thing is, is that obviously, you know, when, when the, I started here, I was the only one um, responsible. And previous to my arrival, we'd made... Uh, the company, through the use of consultants, had made one campaign. Um, so over the nine years, we've had to come up with all of the processes and SOPs and things that we needed in order to deliver a quality product on and a reasonable expectation of timelines and cost. So you know that's probably the biggest difference is 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 that we had to develop those, or I had to develop those myself as opposed to a large organization where that's pretty tried and true. Yeah, for sure. And, and with manufacturing as well, um, it's not just, you know, the, the KPIs and metrics that, that are becoming uh, or that are relevant for both small and large organizations. But also with technology, we, we can see some of the, the bigger companies implementing this. Is this something that the Intercepts are looking at? Is, uh, what are some of the, uh, the main skills in terms of technology that you, you guys are looking at? I, I think, interestingly enough, I think the, the technology 
is is again there's some really interesting stuff going on around sort of continuous manufacturing, continuous flow reactors. Um, the other thing we're sort of I'm I'm really excited about is is biotransformations, so the use of enzymes or whole cell organisms to create chemical reactions, and and they're you know obviously enzymes and whole cells that they know exactly what they need to do, and as opposed to sort of a chemical reaction where you may not get the kind of selectivity that you need. Um, the problem is, is, is that for whatever reason, I think, and this is especially true for small pharma who we don't have as much of a financial resource to, to go into, but for whatever reason, we haven't really broadly, as, as an industry, I think, haven't really broadly found ways to utilize continuous reactors as well as biotransformations in a way that's truly transformative. Um, where everybody's going in that direction, but trying to find a way to really sort of completely really look at things differently. I think we have a lot of work to do there. And certainly, you know, as a small pharma, that becomes difficult because we are financially constrained as far as how many different things that we can look at in a given um, fiscal year. But I am pretty excited about that. We do, we we are actively looking at those areas. Um, but I, you know, I can't exactly say if we're if we're going to be successful, honestly. Where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement in the organization and, and how can the manufacturing operation help deliver those objectives? The biggest the biggest thing that we have to deal with right now is, is, is sort of, again, I previously mentioned it, with the, the area that we are commercialized in, primary biliary cholangitis, is an orphan disease. Uh, so the, the total uh, global population that we have to serve as a commercial company is small uh, comparatively. And what we have to do, our biggest task, honestly, is to take something that we're delivering in the, you know, uh, 10 to 100 kilos in a given year um, to something where we, we may need to turn on a dime and be available at metric ton or more um, amounts. So um, being able to kind of make that transition and be prepared for uh, effectively uh, a large increase in demand is something we really are, are trying to mitigate over the time frame that we have until we hope that we're applying for a, um, a NASH indication with the FDA and EMA. Excellent. And uh, last one for, for core content. Uh, what's the biggest mistake that you almost made um, you know, on this journey? Actually, it's a, that's a good question. I, um, I would say, honestly, the biggest mistake I almost made was trying to stay with Big Pharma. Um, you know, uh, to be honest, uh, the reason that I left Pfizer was through was uh, they they reorganized in preparation of sort of the the Lipitor uh, patent cliff, and um, and had an opportunity to try to stay with the organization and ended up not doing so and moved on to Amira as I mentioned, which and then and then moved on to Intercept where I am today. Um, I, I honestly think that if I had stayed with Pfizer, that wouldn't have been the best thing with me for me. Um, I think that, that this, the opportunity that sort of came about post that is really what, what made me become a leader, uh, made me sort of transformed my career. And, and I hate to say as much that obviously there's a lot of people that work for Pfizer and it's a great company, but for me personally, I, if I had stayed, I think I'd be a very, I'd have a different career and I, and I really enjoy what I'm doing now. I really feel like I have to, I have an amazing opportunity to have an impact here with Intercept. Great. And now we're going to move on to the, the quick fire round. So, um, around five questions, uh, I'll give you a question. You'll have, uh, no more than 30 seconds to answer. So, uh, best of Ooh. luck. 
<laughs> so what's the, the best piece of advice you've ever received, Melissa? I, I can tell you the best piece of advice I ever received was to check my assumptions. I think most people generally uh, make base assumptions not even realizing it and then make decisions based on those assumptions that can actually end up taking you in a different path. You have to consistently question them. Uh, most influential book and why? Oh, I wish I had more time on this one. My most influential <laughs> book is um, Fahrenheit 451. Um, I know it's not a management book, but I'm really enjoying it. I've read it three times. I just read it with my 13-year-old son, and I think that um, the messages in that book around uh, the direction that society could take if not kind of considered as to how we approach um, freedom of speech, um, working with um, different groups and things like that, that society could end up in a whole different place, which would not be a good thing. And I think we have to intentionally make decisions about what we choose to do in, in society. Otherwise, you know, left unchecked, we could go in the wrong direction. And I just think especially timely for what's going on in the world today. What's the, the one thing about manufacturing that you're most excited about today? Honestly, I would say it's the biotransformations aspect, the sort of use of enzymes and, and whole cell organisms to do chemistry. And not only because I think that that's a highly effective way and potentially very high yielding, low cost, but also because I think that um, the, the types of solvents and things that you can use in these is mostly water-based um, systems, which I think is actually very much more environmentally friendly than, than standard chemical reactions. And last one for the quick fire round. What is your favorite quote and, and how do you put that into practice? My, I, sadly, my favorite quote is actually taped to my door and um, it's been there for a long time. And it's uh, by Deepak Chopra and it's every great change is preceded by chaos. And, um, and I, really, I really believe that every day that we, especially at Intercept, are going through phenomenal change. And sometimes we need to give ourselves a little bit of patience to recognize that it's not always going to be easy, but that we're working towards something really important here. Yeah, and that, that's um, in terms of uh, you know organizational change. This is not a unique challenge just to small farmers, <laughs> as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. Um, last couple of questions then. Um, what do you think is the key to to optimizing a successful manufacturing operation? Yeah, I have three. Um, one is uh, really important, hire good leaders. Um, two, honestly, is really know your customers. And and three would be um, mitigate risk. Uh, for, for me, the third one on mitigating risk is something that we have to work on every day here because, again, moving the manufacturing operation from an orphan to a non-orphan kind of supply chain, it, we have a lot of potential risks that we're, that we're working on daily. Excellent. And uh, we on the podcast, we recently had um, Charlene Gamunda, who's one of the judges for the Manufacturing Leaders Awards. Um, something we're really passionate about here at Manufacturing Leaders is diversity. I mean, can you just t uh, tell me a bit about your experience being a, a woman in manufacturing, whether that's that's positive or, or less so? Wow. Um, I, I have to admit that I have been very, very lucky to have had mentors. Um, and in, in almost every case, they were all male. I haven't actually um, had the opportunity to work in manufacturing with um, other female scientists, chemists. Um, but regardless of that, which would be, which you know, I would say that is challenging not having female role models. 
Um, but I have been very lucky with the male role models that I've had. They've been extremely supportive. One thing that I I have had to work with, which is interesting, um, it's a, a story is um, obviously being a woman, I'm, I'm originally from the South. Uh, I had a fairly strong Southern accent. I went to a um, American Chemical Society national meeting presented when I was in graduate school. And after my talk, a gentleman came up to me and, and basically told me that I sounded stupid and, um, and went on and on about how my accent really, really defined his ability to understand my science. And I would say that was disturbing. Um, obviously, being a woman, you're already feeling like in science, you're a little bit behind. And then being told that you sounded stupid simply because of your accent. Um, it was, I would say there's a lot of things that as a woman you think about, but I never would have thought it would be my accent. Um, obviously, I no longer have it. I worked, I were actually actively worked to, to eliminate the accent after that point. So there are things that I think we have to think about that we shouldn't have to, you know, whether whatever the diversity is, whether it's a female, whether it's, um, you know, an accent or where you're from, uh, it's it's kind of just something you live with and you work with and, and you have to go forward with. And I think the most important thing in all of that is, is that we seek out role models that really encourage us to to be ourselves and to work towards better bettering ourselves. Excellent. Now, we're going to um, take some of your, your great experience and, and ask you just to give us um, some advice. I mean, particularly to younger people in manufacturing, what are some of the, um, you know, based on your experience, um, that, that you would tell them? I would say two primary things. Um, one, I've learned, like I said, through kind of the transitions that I've made from sort of big pharma to small pharma and in the roles that I've made at small pharma, which is step out of your comfort zone. Um, it's Those are the times that you make really big changes in your career and you don't, you may not realize because sometimes, you know, you're forced out of your comfort zone, not because of a decision you make, but because of decisions others make. But when realizing that, that these are the greatest times that, that, that you that you learn it's kind of like you you have to give yourself the freedom to make a mistake because you are learning and then that that actually ends up making you better and, and advancing your career in ways that you may not actually know they will at the time um, the other thing for me honestly and is really find your passion um, I <laughs> actually all the way back in my very first chemistry class and when I was 15 years old somehow something clicked with me and I realized what I really wanted to do was work in pharmaceuticals because I really thought I was just fascinated by the fact that a person could make something that would make somebody better and I've been lucky enough to sort of become that you know to take that passion all the way to where I am today and to have had opportunities to truly make medicines and meet the patients that I personally have had to have an impact have have gotten the opportunity to have an impact on and it is it is phenomenally rewarding and that I mean connecting with your passion otherwise otherwise it's it's work instead of you know fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah and in terms of uh, going back to to intercept um, what was really the most successful innovation you did uh, in manufacturing um, well really I would say um, for the there well 
you know, two successes. Of course, one is, is that I did get to work on two drugs that I've actually, one drug I actually got to work on, one of my extended family members takes and still takes to this day. And, and so just having that opportunity is something that, that I'll never, I'll never forget. And then of course, now with the, with the opportunity to develop with Intercept, um, to take something, cause when I joined, in, uh, 2008, um, like I mentioned, we'd only developed, or, or what had been done was was a batch scale of about two kilos maximum, and so to be able to to effectively take that very early manufacturing uh, campaign and to develop it all the way to where we are now, preparing for a large population disease such as Nash, and at the same time develop all of the supply chain, the tablets. Uh, everything, the commercial uh, product as well as the continuing development. Um, you know, there's been so many challenges in that. Uh, the drug that we work with, uh, Ocalava, it's a modified bile acid. And um, these have sort of a steroid-based structure. Um, they, they have challenges inherent in developing those types of molecules. Um, prior, uh, you know, Earlier uh, technologies have had difficulty from an analytical perspective, being able to manage the quality of these types of molecules, and we've been able to develop some of our analytical technologies with our vendors, our CROs, um, to make sure that we can feel confident that we're developing and optimizing a synthesis that's going to be the greatest value and the highest quality for the patients. It's been a, it's you know, it's it's been nine years, but um, something really I I feel very connected to and very proud of. Yeah, and it sounds like you've been on a really interesting journey, especially those last nine years. Um, last question, what advice would you give to, you know, smaller manufacturers who are sort of coming from, like you said, you only had a less than 50 employees nine years ago. To, to, how do you get to where, they are, where you are now? What, what's the best way to do that? <laughs> actually, we had less than 50 four years ago. Um, when I joined, uh, actually, there's only four people in the company that predate me. So I've, <laughs> I've been with Intercept <laughs> from the very beginning, effectively. Um, but what the advice I would give is, um, obviously, you have to capitalize on your scientific skills. I mean, we chemists and engineers, we're kind of an interesting breed. Uh, we, we sometimes have difficulty... Uh, I think being open and collaborating and working through uh, challenges over the phone um, and remotely, I think this is a skill set that in order to be successful in a small pharma, um, because you're not generally going to have your own facility, so you have to select your vendors wisely and you have to learn how to work with them. So the skill sets, while the chemistry and, and or the engineering background is very, very helpful and key. Um, some of the skill sets that, that people need to learn or, or, or have when they start is really about sort of that, um, you know, it's, it's collaboration and interaction, communication skills, recognizing um, how often you need to work together or even go face to face in order to do your best as far as making sure that everybody's a team. Melissa Revelinsky of Intercept Pharmaceuticals. Um Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a genuine pleasure. Some really good insights there. Thanks for having me. I, I, it's, it's exciting to be a part of this.